0: traction pieces This piece of fiction is the intro of distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro of distraction pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro of, distraction pieces. Piece of, the of the distraction pieces. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 293 of the thetraction Pieces podcast and it's a really important one to me. Obviously it's a, a, a bonus here. it's a Monday. but there's a really important cause that I wanted to do a bit of a different episode about many of you will know if you're regular l- listeners i have a stutter or a st- stammer i've had it s- since i was about four years old um i've talked about it in different s- situations in one of my first ever songs a thousand words i kind of tell the story of how i got my stammer and gr- growing up with my stammer and stuff like that so um i was asked recently to become a patron of st- Stammer, which is the British Stammering Associations. I'm stuttering so much more than I usually do. Which is the British Stammering Association. And tomorrow, October 22nd, is International Stammering Awareness Day. I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to be taking over and doing a Q&A. I think we're going to be doing it on the Stammer Instagram page, which is S-T-A-M-M-A-U-K. Stammer UK I might do some stuff on their Twitter page too which is at Stammer S-T-A-M-M-E-R I know that's confusing that there's there's two different ones there but yeah you can also head to Stammer.org and I'm sure we'll have all the information there so that's S-T-A-M-M-A dot org but generally on any of the socials if you search either the British Stammering Association or S-T-A-M-M-A or S-T-A-M-M-E-R you, you'll find it. As said, it's an organisation that means a lot to me and I'm proud to be involved with. As you will have heard, if you heard my King's speech um, at Christmas, it's an emotional organisation to, to be involved with. It's made me confront a lot of things. But one of the best things it's made me do is is this podcast. So I've, I've sat down with three different people who have stammers and... They're just 20 to 30 minute chats about how it was growing up with a stammer. What they would like people who don't have a stammer to know about having a stammer. And what they would like people who do have a stammer to know and are struggling. And I'm really pleased with them and I really enjoyed them. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned it in this, but stammers and stutters are kind of easily overlooked at times as a disability. Um, In fact, I do. I talk about it in in the last one, I think, uh, with Owen Shears. But those who have a stomach, as you'll hear, have had to grow up without freedom of speech. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it's true. We've, We've had to adapt. We've had to avoid words. We've not been able to say what we want to say. And that's a big deal, man. Anyway, I won't ramble on too much. As I said, this is an extended episode because it's three mini-episodes in one. The first person um, I want to introduce you to uh, is an actor, um, a young man called George Fletcher. And it was a pleasure to chat to him. You're going to hear he's an absolute joy. So, um, yeah, let's get into the first conversation. This is George Fletcher. So we are rolling... Right, I'm, I'm starting each of these by saying, "Can you state your name, your age, and your occupation?"
1: I'm George Wilson or, or, or uh, George Fletcher. And I'm 26 years old, and I'm an actor.
0: And and the actor part is the reason that you're George Wilson or George Fletcher, right? Yeah, yeah one yeah. your stage That's why it's, your, yeah, so yeah.
1: George Fletcher is my stage name, but it's my middle name and my dad's middle name as well. So yeah, it was quite an easy adjustment. Yeah, but I find on form filling, I always tend to kind of like. You Know it gets sort of infused and it's all a bit, but
0: yeah, it's confusing on day to day life, right? I'm someone who has obviously a, f- a fake name, but it's a name I had since I worked in HMV that my mates know me as. But, but when I'm at something new and I'm having to introduce myself to someone, I'm like, So, who am I? Who, <laughs> what am I meant to? Yeah, yeah, he- hello, yeah, um, hi, it's 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 awkward, um, but we've I mean, again, it's nice that we've both got, we've both chosen our names as yeah. such. We're both acting. Um, and we've both got a, a, a speech impediment. Um, uh, this is going to be a tough, I should have checked this problem. This, uh, what do you refer to yours? Because I've always felt I had a, a stutter, but I know that stammer is the more uh, regular term. I use stammer because I, I had speech
1: therapy when I was about 12 yeah, and they sat me down and told me, like, for some reason they were like really, really specific on it, that stammer is UK and stutter is US. Yes, yes. So I always use stammer, but no one else really seems to, so yeah. it tends to be stutter. But also stutter is really hard to say. There's something yeah. quite cruel about having people with speech impediments and they say so stutter, stutter, Yeah, because it's quite, it's quite difficult. But yeah, it's, I say stammer.
0: It's a funny one because I didn't know that it was a UK and US thing until I started working with st- st- stammer and the, and the BSA, because... I thought there was a difference in what they were. Mm. And as a kid, I'd been told that mine was a stutter. Other people have a stammer. I still don't know. I, I don't remember what they told me the difference was. Yeah. But they probably didn't. They probably yeah. just said, oh, you've got a stutter. And I've then backwards engineered this, that what I've got is this. There's another thing well, called this. There's two strands
1: of it. Like yeah. you've got a specific sort of diagnosis. They've gone, look, you've got... A, yeah, you've got this have got the form here for you. We have to tell you now it's a stutter. That's what you've got. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. And it wasn't, as I said, until I started work with Jane and that, and I'm like, <laughs> always the American one of stutter. I was like, oh, is that, is that an Americanisation? So a, 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 what's your kind of earliest memory of your stammer? That's really hard. I was actually
1: thinking about this recently, and I was speaking to my mum. And one of my first memories is actually going to an NHS uh, referral thing because I couldn't say my D's or my G's. So I've always had speech right. problems that must have about formed about three or so. Yeah. And then it's really weird because it's sort of like saying, "Well, what's your first memory of cards?" Like, yeah. I don't, I don't have a memory of speech fluency at all. And that's what well, I, I, I think m- most of my memories because there's like there's these films of me on like you know sort of family holidays, and I'm just but garb- like I'm just talking with such you know sort of passion and verve and stuff and my dad's filming me and then desperately trying to like sort of get me out of shock because I just won't stop speaking yeah so I think it's trying to it's, it's hard when you're a kid also I wasn't like sort of self-conscious about it and I think also because I spoke so much and had so much to say and so much that actually If I tripped over words, I wasn't really aware of it, or it didn't really matter, or there wasn't any social shame, I'd been socialised into thinking it was strange. Most of my memories of stammering start in high school. And that's when it's sort of a bit more... I don't know, I think the way I think about my stammer and, and like, a culture... I I, I don't know if you have this, but, like, I've always built up a way of speaking about it, a culture, an understanding. Like, I've done, like, a PhD in my stammer. I've got all these theories about it and all these things those really start age 11 or 12. So I always had the speech you know, problems or impediment, but it's only really when I got to about 11 or 12 that I really found it irksome or found it sort of difficult or it started to actually kind of affect my
0: life. It's, it's, it's really telling how common that is because it reveals that the problem is much more with people who don't stammer and their understanding of a stammer and their reaction to a stammer than the stammerer themselves Mm. if you know what I mean that I was the same I I had a stammer since I was four or something Mm. I don't have any memories of it being an issue until I was at school Mm. because as you said if the people if your friends and family around you aren't reacting to it and haven't told you it's an unusual thing then it's not an issue it's when you go somewhere and someone against school for me was the easy example because and it's weird now but because you mentioned the building up your own kind of framework. I think you also build up almost your own interview answers. Yeah. I've said this a million times, yeah. but at school they read out a register and you have to Horrible. respond. Horrible. And you're the first that's the first day of school. Everyone at school is looking for someone to be the target that's not them. Yeah. You know? So if the first thing you have to do is respond and you can't do it properly, there's our target.
1: It's also tricks the that you guy. get as well. It's like I, I you know, I know in high school Like, it was weird because I've always done, you know, drama and acting and stuff since I was about three or four and always loved it. And it was the thing that um, I was liberated from in a way. Like, you know, my stamina never really affected acting. And when I got to high school, it's like doing read-arounds in in English or whatever. And I used to count how many, you know, people there were until me and then looked down at whatever we were reading, if that was a poem or Shakespeare. Yeah. And then the fear would start, and I don't know if you had this, I would start to select words that would be like a problem or, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's a p, if it's a plosive sound and, you know, so really by the time it got to me, I'd worked myself up into this kind of frenzy. Yeah. And also, I don't know if you had this, I had tricks, which I had, which from the outside must have looked bizarre. Like I was thinking like, I'd like rock out of the chair, I kind of put my arm up, I would pretend I hadn't heard them and then say, what was that story? And then that would lead me into it. It's all about finding these odd ways. And, it's, and I think also that thing about high school is, is that suddenly you have to deal with a range of social situations you don't really have to do. When you're nine years old, you're not going to be on the phone to people that much you don't know or yep. ordering something in like, you know, like a coffee shop or, um, having to speak to new people. Yep. And it's actually what, what's hard for me sort of growing up is that, and I don't know if this says more about me than actually stammering or whatever, but like, I didn't want anyone to think I was stupid. Yeah. Really didn't want want anything to think I'm stupid. And I found like, you know, speaking on the phone or doing anything that was quite mundane, you know, like anything like, you know, what's your name? What's your address? What's your phone number? Stuff like that, which is just instantly in your head and is easy. I could never really do. Yeah, And social situations with strangers when they'd ask me, you know, what my mum's name was. And there'd always be that horrible thing where there'd be some sort of delay or I'd have to do something to get out of it. And then... This weird social situation. where you've got someone staring at you, going, "Right, you don't, you don't know your own mother's name, or you don't know your own address." Yeah. And, and it's that thing of like, and I don't know if you have this, but like, I'd never admit it. I would never go, "Sorry about that." I occasionally have a speech, you know, problem. I've a fluency problem. Completely. Thank you. Whereas I would, I would kind of feign and act and kind of throw myself around a little bit. Still to than- this
0: day, I have that every now and then. And it's it's interesting you said about the coping mechanisms there, because because that was going to be. Are one of my questions and the ones that you've described are so familiar to me and the way i think of it is you know in kind of a cartoon uh, when someone r- runs off they'll do a little jump in the air first and then yeah. go yeah. that's what it feels like with a yeah, stand you're getting yourself yeah. off the off the the thing and my I would often be a faking that i'm thinking about it so it be a uh, because it's taking that that sharpness off of the start so uh dying Come, you know, just just to to get past that D, you're putting an uh yeah. at the beginning of it because I don't stutter on D's in the middle of a, a no. word. No, so if I now make every word that begins with D have a uh, a bit of a pause as if I'm thinking, then I can get through that, and it gives me that that running start at it as such is the way I always think of it. And I love that you were. I've, I've just realised I should describe that in. That you were moving around in your seat and moving yeah, yeah. up and things like that to and kind of go. And it's not small
1: movements. It's not like a little adjustment. It's not like a you know like a small sort of economical shift. Yeah. Like it was it because obviously it got harder and harder, and I became more and more self conscious that you know I was I was standing up some days. Yeah. You know I was really like really odd behaviour.
0: Yeah.
1: With your with your stammer, do you find are there sounds which you always find hard, or is your stammer a changing thing day by day? where you're at or have you always struggled with D's
0: or or, or I I think it's every time I think I've got it figured out it proves me wrong Yeah, yeah, I go oh it's always them and then I'll have no problem with that and I'll start on something else alright it's it's not that and again it's one of the things I found fascinating in working with Stammer and the BSA is I'm learning loads more about it because again as you said because it's not something you want to bring attention to it's something that I've spent 30-plus years of my life not really understanding. Mm. And not that I understand it now, but in just meetings with these guys, they've pointed stuff out to me. I've never spoken to a stammerer before. I've never spoken
1: really really properly to a stammerer before in this way. And gone, is that what you do? And it's, you know, it's not... But but I think their work's amazing because it's it's just more about understanding it. Because especially, like, you know, I think most people's speech impediments probably form in, like uh what like nine or ten years old around then and you know that like no one really tells you what it is they just tell you that it's okay or how to cope with it or or they're very patient with you or they're not patient with you but no one really yeah like even now i don't really know that much about it and that's why i wanted to get more involved with them just because it's something i'm realizing i'm 26 now and i'm i'm like there's this whole side of me that i really can't deal with or talk about yeah I can't talk about not sometimes, you know, being able to talk, and it's and it's it's um it's actually funny because my family, there's stammering my family, and m- m- my younger brother Harry, he's uh, 24 and he stammers, yeah. But it's really interesting because he's never made it personal. It's like it's a very occasional tick, and he works in like a restaurant, and it's very very fast paced, and he's great great at what he does, and with you know, some people, and he's like a manager in quite a, a swanky new place. But when I talk to him about it, I go, Yes, what's it like for you? Like in your head, those moments of, you know, there's like a suspension and then you do this and that. How do you? And he just goes, I'll just change what word I say. And, you know, sort of like he just doesn't yeah. have any relation to it, which yeah. like boggling, I find my bottling because I have a whole culture and a whole um, failed understanding or I, I have all this built up stuff about it. But yeah, it's um, what, what I found interesting was through school. I'd have these bad patches and then like a good patch and I'd always try and understand what that was like and then in my late teens i kind of um, become a a lot more held so I would sort of like, I managed to get through it, you know, those tricks became more in the way that I held myself and I'd be more selective but then when I I went to drama school age 21, and going to drama school first year is a lot of like you don't breathe right, you don't talk right, you don't stand up straight, right, you don't do this right. And having all of that, you know, deconstructed quite quickly. I don't think anyone in my class knew I had a stammer until probably about two weeks in. And we did this exercise which where where we had to look at the wall and then turn around and face the whole class and not change the way that we held ourselves. It was all about, you know, just being comfortable not putting anything on. And it was hysterical because I would be looking at the wall and then just before I met everyone else, I'd change my whole body. And they really... and, and, And then they would try... I think... I think they were getting us to do speeches while doing it or something. And that's when it just came out and it, and it didn't come out in a light way. It was like a, a physical block. I couldn't speak at all. And from then, that, and, and then from that point on, it was like it was in the room. Yeah. And I stammered throughout my three years there and it was really, really tough. Like more tough than school because it was like um, not only is there like an anxiety, will I work, you know, will I do well, am I understanding this? But just like day to day, am I going to be able to get mm. a word out? And there were whole classes that I look back on now and go, I wish I could do that now. Yeah. I, I'm just not in my head or I'm not, you know, my main focus isn't, am I going to be able to get this first sound out or, 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 you know, whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: it's, it's, it's amazing how having something else you're more scared of can really help. <laughs> yeah. Like, like and, and yeah. again, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, um, an acting class at the moment and I'm on the intermediate a level now I've, I've done the basic one I wanted to do it again and they've made me move up to intermediate I feel completely underqualified and the other day it was one then where you've got an option to get up and do something you don't have to and at the end of the class I thought I'm gonna I am I'm mm. gonna and I got up and did something and it's only now that we're talking about it that I've realized I didn't think once about am I gonna stammer mm. I was scared about getting the lines right getting the Things that we've learned into my performance. Try and get these little things. What everyone's going to think? I was shitting myself, but not because I'm someone who stutters. Because mm. I'm someone who's never got up in a drama class and done a performance before. So it's weird how the difference. Is it all about
1: focus? Do you think? Is yeah. that all about? Yeah, I think yeah.
0: it really can be. I think the focus, and I think it's why I'm sure you'll find that your your stammer doesn't affect your acting because you've, you've got though.
1: such a focus. But occasionally, and that's what's been really, really difficult. Is yeah. that I in my in my childhood, acting was this really safe thing and expression and whatever. And then through drama school, I I really struggled with scenes. And actually, my second year, um, we had a load of industry came in, like you know, um, so casting sort of people and whatever. And it was in second year, and in first year drama school, you, you feel in this little shell, like in like a microcosm. They really look after you. And then suddenly had these like external people, and we had to do scenes for them overnight, and it was all week. And I just couldn't do it. I just could yeah. not do it. It was horrible. And I actually got on a train. It's really, really dramatic. I, I walked out of one because they asked me what my name was, and I couldn't even get through that. Wow. And I and it was like a one-on-one. And I got on a train and then, like, sort of phoned my mum. And that was, like, a point where I, nearly, I could nearly have not sort of come back. Yeah. And that's how big it felt. It was a really, really big thing. Yeah. Whereas now it's like... I mean, I'm not sure about you, but, like, you know, I sort of go into... You know, so auditions and rooms and it's not in it's not my head. It's not my head at all, it's not of thing. And then some days I wake up and it's it's like it's at like the front of my attention. Yeah. And that's what's hard,
0: I think. Because also I don't quite know how to deal with that or, or I think acting's a weird industry for people who stammer and not for the reason that everyone who's listening is gonna assume. <laughs> not because it involves talking or any of mm. these things, but because it involves completely unexplained rejections. Yeah. That you can then attribute do you know what I mean? That make you then start to, uh, to look at yourself. Did I not get that role because I've got a stammer? Mm. Did I stammer in that audition and not realise? Do you know what mm. I mean? Because do you have that as well? Do you have times where you just don't notice it and other times that you're far more aware? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, there's days that go by where it doesn't. I don't think about it at all, yeah. really. And, I mean, I, I had a thing in third year. Third year, you've got all that industry arriving and, you, you know, you're doing these big shows. And I I had this whole thing, and I had to, like, talk to my family about it, you know, and my partner about it just being like, you know, you know, what if they all find out? Like, some terrible secret. Like, somehow I'll be struck off every list in, like, the country. Yeah. Like, you know, or, like, they really care. They'll really care that I'll have a stammer. It's, you know, it's bad, bad news, and it will will ruin everything. And it's funny talking about it out loud, because, obviously, it's so internalised, and from years and years, even just talking about it, you just realise that it's... It's not as large as it feels in your head. It's not as big. It's not as like you know final as it as as it feels in your head.
0: But it's interesting how no matter how grown up you want to be or how comfortable you get with it, it's not as simple as I've adjusted my outlook to it. You're still going to have those days Mm. and those moments. I talked about this a while ago. I did a post for Stammer uh, when their posters, the, the billboards had gone up, and it got the biggest a reaction of anything I've ever posted on, on Instagram. It was beautiful. There were so many l- lovely co- comments. It was overwhelming. And just before I went to bed, I looked and I saw that three or four of my favourite directors had liked it. Great. Which was great until I got into bed and was laying there. And I was like, are they going to think they can't offer me a role now? Because I've got a stammer. Because I've not really, they probably wouldn't have known. Even just talking is about it this gonna now, today. Is it I'm, now yeah, going to yeah, yeah, put yeah. me out? Am I going to be like they can't employ me? Yeah. And it's stupid because they're not. And mm. again, it's uh, we've both now got proof that we can do what we're hired to do. Um, but that 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 night, I barely slept, and it was mm. such a silly thing because I'd had such a powerful day of people just saying lovely things, and it really meant the world. And then that one thought crept in just before I went to bed, and I didn't sleep. I laid there awake all night, thinking, "I've, I've screwed it. I've been too open. Yeah, I thought yeah. openness was a good thing. I've been too, been yeah. too open." it's Again, all, it's the all out the box out, now. as you yeah, said yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. The secrets out. They're going to have found out. Yeah, the secrets out, and I'm the bloody one who told them the secret. I've yeah. messed up here. It's but it's mad.
1: It's funny because I've just done a stage job, and I I went straight from one thing, you know, it's like another one, and then that, and on the first stage job which was in August, I didn't, it wasn't a thing in my head at all. Yeah. I knew it inside out. It was great. It was a lovely, 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 lovely job. And then I went into another stage job, which was equally lovely, which was great. But just because there was a bit less time and because I was a bit more self-aware, my stamina crept in during rehearsals ever so slightly. And then the first couple of shows, it was just there on some T words.
0: Mm.
1: And I, and I spoke to the director on like the last week. I was like, you know, I'm I'm really sorry. You know, thanks for being so patient. And, you know, it's. And I felt like it was something I was always aware of on stage, yeah. which wouldn't happen, but would maybe just be something that occasionally would just creep up and go, okay, watch that, okay, that, you know, it would just be something going on. And I spoke to her about it and she went, oh, yeah, it was, yeah, it, 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 it was around rehearsals a bit, but, but, you know, once the show opened, it was fine, wasn't it? And I was like, wow, you, 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 you saw the show so many times and you don't, that doesn't even, you know, it's a figure for you. And like, my family would come and see it. Yeah. You know, and I'd be beating myself up and they were like, well, yeah, but you didn't stammer. Like, I, there was one moment of, like, a hesitancy, but, like, that was also, like, part of the scene. And yeah. it's, it's about... It's kind of going, well, I'm never going to get rid of it.
0: Yeah.
1: It, like, I'm not going to... You know, and I've had silly moments where I've gone, great, I'm cured now. It's yeah. over. You know, I yeah. can do it. I can go to a room and talk to someone. It's great. Um, it's, but it's, it's knowing what it is. It's accepting it. And it's also going, if I have a moment of, you know, hesitancy, then that's fine. And, that, and yeah. I think that, and that sounds really, really simple, really, really simple. But that's taken me like 20 years just to kind of get over. Yeah. Um,
0: Do you have any, any specific memories of when someone reacted really badly to it? Or or, or in your eyes, really, their reaction affected you? Um, I was just laughing,
1: really. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just laughing. And that's...
0: And that's understandable you like... And how did you react to their laughter? Were you a laugh along? Were you a run-off? Were you a get angry?
1: I just put my head down, really. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't really deal with it. And and then I think when I was a bit older, I would laugh it off or I'd laugh with it. It's, it's also, it's understandable because, you know, if you're young children in yeah. a room and someone starts making anything that's, like, you know, not normative or yeah. or, or, like, you know, if they start making funny noise and they and they laugh that that's reaction is perfectly understandable yeah but yeah I think that's what I really struggle with if anything and to sort of come back to it if anything it was less it was less external it was more internal so if I had to be you know at like a reception I hate receptions because it's like it's so it's so clear-cut I have to stand there I have to say what my name is yeah what time I'm supposed to be seen by or like my phone number or personal details. And it's right. so easy. And that's the things that I struggle with. Whereas if, if someone goes, saying. oh, so tell me about this thing. And you can talk at length and you've got choice and you can move around and there's time. But it's like factual things, small things. I'm not sure if you find that. But if someone asks me for like an address or a simple bit of information,
0: I just yeah. can't I just can't do it. It's horrible. It's, yeah, it's the worst. I've, I've had ones before. Again, that mechanism of adding things at the beginning of stuff. I've had people writing down an address or something they've asked for, and they're writing an A at the beginning. Mm. So it's oh, I, I don't know why I keep wanting to go a wizard. I don't know why wizard who's asking me about a wizard, but um, what if I A up to uh, wizard, yeah. um, <laughs> and they're writing the A at the beginning, I'm like, no, no, it's just W yeah. and, and things like that. Or, yeah. or it my just G's are really weak,
1: so that you know it'll be something with a G, and yeah. I'm like, or like you know, and it, and, and they'll kind of go. Sorry, what was that? Well, like my t's kind of yeah. become quite sloppy as well, and that's always quite hard. But I don't know. It's um, I think really what I'm learning to do as well, and I'm not sure if you do this, but but just kind of afterwards, just going. Sorry about that. I've, I've got I've got a stammer, and a, and it comes out sometimes, yeah. which again sounds tiny, but just just doing that is. Is easy, Is fine, I'd, it's I'd, honest, you know what I mean? A to kind of pretending that that thing in the room didn't happen, that that's
0: I'd, not... I'd push you to remove the apology from it. So ju- true. And just go so with true. the informing. So part. true. Do you know what I mean? Because again, there's nothing so wrong with it. And I think you're right. I think you've made a really key point there in saying that it's natural for kids to laugh at this unusual thing. And I think that's something that gets overlooked in a lot of the important changes that we're making in society, I think are uh, one of the most important and most exciting changes is all the changes that we're seeing in, tr- in trans culture and about time. But I also think it's okay for someone who's not f- familiar with any of that to be confused at first or to ask a question. They then need to be educated mm. and similarly, it's okay for kids to find a start of funny at first. They then need to be educated on it as to why it's not funny. Mm. It's sh- they shouldn't then just grow up and go, Oh, it's okay. It's a funny thing. But that first time and those first interactions, it's perfectly natural to be confused or to be to not know what's going on or to find it funny. You then educate and you then explain why, you know, I get that this stutter seems funny, but here's, here's what's going on here. And it's not going anywhere. Mm. So if you keep laughing, mm. it's going to... Start to be offensive. Mm. It's going to start to be rude. It's going to start to be damaging to to that person. How are they going to feel if every time they speak, you're <laughs> you, you're laughing at them? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of it's finding that, that 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 way to address and educate? I guess it's also teachers and adult,
1: and adults as well. I don't know how you feel about this, but I I think in in I always let that person with a stammer finish. Yeah, be as patient as you can.
0: Well, that's they, what I was going to ask. What, what would you like people who don't have stammers to know about how would be your preferred... And again, it's always key on these things that we're speaking for ourselves. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, again, just, it's easy, it's not... I don't know why I'm comparing stammers to trans culture, but I had an amazing uh, a trans lady on called Jordan Gray and i asked her tons of questions yeah, about yeah. the trans community and trans world and she was brilliant cuz really early on she said i need to be clear i can answer for me i've not I'm, i've not sent out the bat signal and kind of got everyone's uh, are we all agreed on this okay yeah. here's what you can here's we've the term you meeting, can use we've yeah. all sat
1: around the table and we've all agreed on this. yeah, yeah it's, here's the
0: reaction you can have yeah, here's the yeah. term you can use but yeah. it's it's a similar thing there but for you yeah what would be your kind of ideal reactions and ideal treatments of of you or anyone who who stammers just patience and also listen because i'm yeah. still talking yeah you know and actually
1: i i'm i'm fairly fortunate now that i am fairly fluent and obviously yeah. there are bad days and there are good days but i can get through my sentences and i can and and if that and if i trip up on a word it's something like that it, it's like a hesitancy yeah that quite painful thing i had as a teenager where like nothing's coming out like and i Feel like I've been in it for like, like a long time, and then I try and deviate and change the word, or I say sorry, like I pop my head up and say sorry, and then go back to making that G sound. I think in situations like that, I think I think just listen, and I wouldn't I wouldn't try and sort of complete a sentence because that that it's, I mean, that for me again, and this is my personal experience, but that that just feels like failure, and that just feels like
0: it's such a natural thing for people to do. But again, I, I agree, it doesn't help. And I have that all the time. I'll have people kind of, oh, and it's people who are being nice. They're trying to be nice and help you out, but I'm all right. Yeah. I'll get there. We've we've all got more time than we realise mm. in, in life. Everything seems to be such a rush. Yeah. I'll get to the end of this sentence. It's fine. I did have, have one about um, a, a couple of months ago when me and my partner were driving somewhere where... I had to stop to take a breath because because my, my stutter had gone on so long. Yeah, I was literally. I was like, I'm not going to be able to finish the word even if I can start. Yeah, it. yeah. You know, I've got so far on this. <laughs> we intro need to take a I'm break. Actually, yeah. like, oh, right. Let's start that one again. So, <laughs> what's your relationship with your
1: stutter like? With your loved ones as well? Like, is that is that a different thing to what it's like in sort of public or speaking to someone that you don't know? Like, how do your loved ones? What's their relationship with it, or, or, or how do they?
0: Re- again, react or, 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 or exactly no as either. you said, the ideal situation there of just patience. But again, I think that comes from familiarity. So it's not to shame anyone who 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 has previously f- finished the sentence so someone mm. with a certain thing like that. It's it's an unfamiliar situation. That's what that's part of the point of these conversations on this podcast is to kind of go look. You don't need to do that. we've we've got it. Yeah, and uh, uh, we'll get there. But, but yeah, my family have always just had. Had patience on it. And again, because of that, I probably stammer a lot less around them because it's that relaxed and that Mm. calm, that calm situation, I guess. So we've had what one thing you'd want to tell people who don't stammer, and Mm. that's to have patience and let's finish. What's the one thing you'd want to tell someone who does stammer and is struggling with it or? Um, yeah, just having a tough time with it. What advice would you give or guidance? I mean, it's not general, but what I can say, you know, I think
1: all I can say is I can say what I wanted to hear or needed to hear or or didn't know I needed to hear, but always stick your hand up or like, don't ever shy away from the situation, you know, always, always put yourself forward. Don't let it stop you do anything because actually the idea of it is always worse than it is. And and in sort of what we were saying earlier, it's like, or at least for for me, the more I talk about it, the more I sort of come to terms with it. The more I realise what an inward, insular personal thing it is that actually out there, it's not it's not as big or as or as as dangerous or as you know, um, portentous as it may seem in here. It, like yeah. out, I like just just to, pop your hand up. Don't if you're in a classroom and if you know the answer, if you want to read or if you want to do that part or if you want to. Stand up in assembly or, you know, or if you want to, I mean, I don't know about you. I used to order the wrong drink in places because I would go, I can't say that. Yeah. Or, it, you know, in restaurants, I would, I'd go to the bathroom just before we ordered and tell someone to order my thing. And it's like, don't let it affect your life in small ways like that. Just, you know, just, well, just drop coffee everywhere. Um, <laughs> don't, yeah, don't let it limit you. I think that's what I'd say. I,
0: th- I think everything you've said today has highlighted how it is such a, individual and personal thing. Um, The fact that you were aware of your stutter during the performance and Mm. no one else was shows that it means more to you than it means to anyone else. The fact that you had to say your advice to people who don't stutter is be patient and listen highlights that we as humans... Do have a tendency that again I've noticed this before that I'll be stuttering and I, I know that they've tuned out because they, they're thinking about what they're going to say next? They've clocked out, yeah, but that's but that's just human, yeah, so yeah, equally they're not going to care about your stutter because they're thinking about what their problems are or what they want to do. So again, it all highlights that it means so much more in your head than outside of your head, mm. and that's yeah, that hopefully will allow people to go, Yeah, it's all right, let's just
1: let's get on with it. Also, most people are kind. Yeah, like really. I yeah. think so, and and even if they do laugh, or even if they do try to get a sentence out of you, or they try and finish you, that comes that for most situations, most situations. I genuinely think this: it's them trying to help you, it's yeah. them trying to get you along, it's them trying to get the conversation, it's them not knowing. And I think I think that's important to state is that it's you know it's it's knowing what it, what is actually kind, and that's and that's listening, that's hearing yeah. he, what hearing the words they're actually saying to you, and letting them finish. Um, yeah.
0: That's perfect. I, I, I I'll end it there. Before we go, are you on on social media or anything that you want to plug or give it's out? Plug, or plug myself. Yeah.
1: I'm on Twitter. If you want to follow my Twitter, I try really hard at being funny. Excellent. So if you want to come and see me, you know, at sort of Crash and Burn at George Sarge. Excellent. I've got three names. That's Excellent. my mum's maiden name. One. So yeah, I'm, I've got three surnames floating out there. Brilliant. Cheers, Pip. It's Thank been you nice very to much. Me on. It's been a Thank pleasure. You.
0: there we go that was george i hope you enjoyed that um we certainly enjoyed the conversation the next person i want to introduce you to it's one of my favorite people i've ever had on the podcast and we only had a 20 to 25 minute chat but it's a young lady called natalie park and i'd not met natalie before i didn't know much of natalie's story but by god she was a joy to be in the room with um I came home and told my partner about this conversation and how much she's going to love hearing this chat because she's just a wonderful young lady and she's been through a hell of a lot. Her story is tough, but I'm so pleased to have had her on the podcast, basically. So let's stop dancing around and let's listen to Natalie Park's story. Can we start by you stating your name, your age and your occupation?
2: Yeah, my name's Natalie, I'm 28 and I'm a, I'm a teaching and assessment officer.
0: Excellent. And what's your earliest memory of having um, a stammer?
2: It's quite a painful one actually. Yeah. Um, my earliest memory is, I was probably five or six and I'm sat around and I'm sat around the dinner table and it's my parents and my sister and um my parents have asked me how my day's gone at school and I'm trying to tell them but I'm stammering um and they're asking me what I'm doing why are you doing that Mm -hmm. um stop that so yeah, that's that. That's my earliest memory.
0: Yeah, that's tough. And and how did things develop within your family mm. of, of, of your stutter, within their understanding of it, and yeah. and how how did that all, all all come along?
2: I mean, obviously, looking back now, I know full well that it was. That uh, They were only reacting like that through lack of understanding. Yeah. Not knowing what's going on. Is there something wrong with our daughter? But, but I mean, those early days, even the doctors had no idea. So. Yeah. Uh, but then as we started to seek better help and my parents started to understand. um My mum is just absolutely brilliant. Um She... She's so understanding. She was, She's always got my back. I know that I can talk to her about it whenever I need to. Yeah. Um, my dad is a little bit more shy. Right. And uh, <laughs> he's a little bit, slightly more socially awkward. So I've never really spoke to him about it, but I don't feel the need to. I yeah. know he loves me. I know he's proud of me. So I don't. Feel that like I need to broach the subject with him.
0: Yeah, there's. I mean, obviously, that being a very tough story, there's a real beauty in it as well because it's. I don't know. It kind of shows that all all initial reactions are okay and understandable because it's an unusual. If you've not confronted it before, it's an unusual thing. The the thing that we need to raise awareness for is informing those reactions, yeah. letting people know that it's all right. Nothing bad's happening. Yeah. It's yeah. just, it's it, it's fine. Everything, everyone's going to be okay. Yeah. We're we going to get through this quite literally. Um, yeah. And yeah. And, and, and again, the fact that then your mum has gone on to be the most supportive yeah. person in it. So how are things at school uh, uh, when this started to manifest?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have memories of stammering at school, sort of like primary school age. Yeah. I have very happy memories of primary school, fitting in. I had loads of friends. It was. It wasn't until I reached high school, and you're at that age where you're starting to become very self aware, and yeah. um, and you're becoming aware of what other people think of you and how they see you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did sort of, I had a different style of bullying. So I didn't, I wasn't pushed or um, I didn't have like names shouted at me in the playground. It was, it was more like psychological. Right. So I'd be drawn into a group, but then almost for entertainment. Right. That That's how I feel looking back. So, I definitely felt very other. Yeah. Um, I had allies, but looking back, I almost feel as though they were too scared to to almost be too associated with me.
0: Yeah.
2: Um,
0: yeah.
2: And that was right right up until I left for college. Yeah. I really, I really didn't have a good time. I mean, the worst sort of years were were around my g c s e years um and during that time, I actually did try and and I, I commit suicide because oh, yeah. because I reached a point where where i I had no vision of a future yeah. like i couldn't see where I was going to go i couldn't see a way out um I thought that if all these people see me like this. And they treat me like this. Now, then, how's it going to be out in the real world? And my parents always said, "You've got to be ready for the real world." You know, that's where I have my work, my work ethic from. So, as soon as I left school, my parents were like, oh, "You've got to get a job." Yeah. So, um, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs>
0: that's all good. Uh, so, did you develop any any coping mechanisms at that time? Uh, was there anything that you'd do to to ease your stammer or to 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 make things fl- flow a mm. little easier, or did you just kind of re- retract more from from social interactions?
2: Well, this was the thing because I was persistent. I wasn't a shy child. I was always very open, very outgoing. Wanted to be friends with everybody. Um, I did have speech therapy. Mm-hmm. I had both solo speech therapy and group speech therapy, but they actually had a really adverse effect right. and made it really really worse. But looking back, I think it was because the techniques made me feel like I was speaking even more unnatural than yeah. speaking with a stammer. Yeah. I think I don't I don't ever really remember hating the stammer. I th- I think i've always I've always accepted the fact that it was a part of me. I think it was more self-loathing, just in general.
3: yeah
2: um, but other than that, I've just stammered I've just however I'm stammering that day, I just sort of go with it yeah. and, I th- and I've found that that over the years, especially as I moved into my twenties um the more I became to accept it, the more fluent I actually was.
0: Yeah. It's it's so. it's it's amazing how how personal and how kind of internal it can can be. And mm. a a lot of the things you've said there is that it's your belief of people's reaction or what people are thinking and things like that that was that would end up eating you up yeah inside and then that makes yeah. it worse and you know these the is it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy in a yeah. way because you believe that it's it's going to be bad so it is bad and then you believe that people are going to re- react strange so you're then going to notice every reaction mm. that they make and read a lot into it as well yeah um and that I can see how that can just send you down a spiral yeah, and a spiral yeah. and a spiral. So, uh, 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 at what point did did you start to have that kind of that turnaround that that change your mm. perception on the uh, on on what it is?
2: Yeah. I, well, like I say, I went to college. Um, I did a catering course. Uh, well, I I did two. I did one that was one that was in chefing and then one that was in hospitality yeah um so while i was doing that i found my first job um and i started to i started to realize that i can do this and i can be good at this and i was good at it and because it was manual uh that just takes skill. So, so, so. Uh, 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 so, as I started to set myself goals, and I would reach those goals, I would. That would obviously make me feel good, and, uh, and then in time, I'd think, right, I can do anything I want. So when I left college, I went into university, which is something that I never thought that I would do. Um, so that, that that again, really spurred me on that did, and I was able to gain so much knowledge there, which then helped me move up the ranks in a kitchen until I was a kitchen manager head chef. Wow. So, um, yeah, I think... That, I think the key was I started to set myself goals, yeah, which was something that I hadn't really even thought of because I felt as though I had nowhere to go. I thought, yeah. Well, what's the point? But, but but I started off small, and then over the years, I just can't stop setting goals now. It's ridiculous.
0: I love that, <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful as well because it's there's a clear There's a clear moment there, a clear hurdle that you've set yourself but then overcome yourself because at your lowest point, your fear was that there's no future for you in the real world and then you got into the real world and as soon as you realised it wasn't all doom and gloom, Mm. there was literally no stopping you. It's like as soon as you're like, oh, I didn't get here and explode. I didn't get here and be told I'm not allowed in. I got here and it was all right.
2: Yeah. You know what? I felt like I had... I had arrived in my world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Finally. Yeah.
2: So, and then it was literally the world was my oyster, and I've tried, <coughs> and I've tried to live like that ever since. So, yeah. it's
0: beautiful, but it also really highlights how damaging it can be as a, as a young kid mm. to have something that makes you feel that there is no future. Yeah. Obviously, to the extent that you might never have got to found out what was ahead
2: yeah exactly
0: you know so it it was only when you got there that you found out oh there's so many options Mm. but you almost didn't get there because of how you were perceiving your stammer and how others were reacting to you and making you feel about your stammer so it's it's massive to highlight that that uh, what do you feel could have been done differently when you were at school? Is there anything that you feel teachers could have done to to, to either inform or prep the other kids better? Or mm. do you feel there's anything that just the kids c- could have done? It's always tough because kids are kids. Yeah. Their, their reaction, yeah. even if it's horrible, it's going to be what their natural reaction is. Yeah. We can push to educate that. Yeah. And that's definitely... Um, a, A valid thing, but yeah. yeah, Do you feel there's anything else that could have been done, support-wise?
2: I think because the because of the way that I was treated by the others, because it wasn't in your face, Mm. it almost made me question my own sanity of whether it was actually happening. Is this is this happening, or is it just in my head? Am I taking it this way? So
0: and it will be easy for teachers to dismiss if you yeah, bring any of it up yeah. it's like so what's actually happening what yeah. you actually there's nothing actually happening is that, there is but yeah yeah
2: but I never ever broached the subject with a right. teacher
0: yeah
2: I've always been very self-sufficient that's how I was brought up very independent and um I think I've always known that this was my journey and it was only me who was going to be able to get myself myself to where I need to be. Mm. So I suppose I spent many years in survival mode. Um, But I did have a few fantastic teachers, only one or two, who, who showed me the patience that I needed. But they actually engaged with me. I felt that there was a lot of teachers who were almost... Almost, not scared to engage with me, but apprehensive to engage with me. Almost as though they didn't want to have to make me stammer, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. almost as though they were doing me a favour. Yeah. But actually, that was just adding into that that circle of isolation and feeling like another.
0: Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Because there's going to be points where you might want to sit out a certain exercise or thing but mm. it, it's not going to help anything yeah Do you know what I mean it's, it's, it's you're gonna it's not going to help you overcome these things and or more it's not going to help other people get used to it yeah if if you're constantly missing out on these things then
2: yeah
0: it's not going to help it become just more normal so was it at, at, um, at college and when you were studying at a higher level did you become more comfortable at that point in addressing it yourself to people? Yeah. Like talking about it and saying, oh, here's what it is. It's all right. Yeah. It's kind of not a big deal.
2: Yeah, I've always been very open to questions. Yeah. Even if, even if others would perceive those questions quite rude. So, so I've had people say, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm just stammering. Yeah. Because I would rather, I would rather somebody ask. They not ask and leave and think was she alright? Yeah. Um, because then that creates speculation with them, and then they would go off and uh, this is something that I think of quite often in my job, where they may go off and then they're speculating between colleagues, where they might be like, "All my assessors got something wrong with her." Yeah. I think I think that's yeah. I don't want any grey areas with people. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I always welcome questions. I
0: love that. And that's a a beautiful outlook and approach because part of awareness is letting people know that it's okay to to ask these questions. I think particularly in the world at the moment, there's so much fear and nervousness about asking questions because you're going to be accused of being insensitive or accused of being just... Of of racist or this or that Or all these other things Obviously that doesn't apply to this But so many different terms There's a fear of going I don't really know what this means Or what's happening here Whereas if it's a Genuine question A genuine inquiry Then that should always be fine That should always be welcomed And it might (coughs) Get a little bit annoying on your part to have to answer the same question every time. But again, I think all of us develop almost a a speech, a a set routine, a set set explanation. Here's what it is. (laughs) And you can smash through that. So that's always kind of an easy one. So it's not as big a deal. And again, people are a thing I think to get to people who are nervous about asking the question is you and I, we're going to be aware that we're stammering. Mm. We're going to be aware that we've got a, sta- a yeah. stammer or a startle. It's going to be something that's been a huge part of our lives since we were children. Mm. So it's not a subject that's going to be a surprise if you bring it up to us. So it's, yeah. it should be okay to to, to bring up and, and discuss and question, I guess. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of ending each... Or I'm ending each one, each of these chats with the same... Two two questions. Before I get there, have you got any memories of a specific time when someone has reacted in a specific way that's affected you a lot? Or, I mean, positively or negatively? I guess I've I've they've tend to have lent on the on the on the negative side, yeah. but either there because uh, the reason I ask in this situation is and at school when it was seemingly at its worst and at it? its the, the darkest it sounds like it wasn't even specific reactions Mm. it wasn't a specific thing it was a lack of reaction it was an implication so is there anything any times that you've kind of had a real oh that hurt or that that," or or, that felt great that that's how you reacted and responded
2: there's definitely one on the negative side that has always stuck out I'll never forget I was buying a book from Waterstones and it was really really busy and I was with my mum and I was probably a Young teenager, um, and my mom always encouraged me that, that to go to the till. Yeah, because I would ask her to go because she was hot on appeasing cues, and, and I would always stammer on thank you. Right, and I couldn't leave without saying it. So, so sometimes I could be stood there for ages.
0: Yeah. And it's at the end as well, the, so you know oh. it's almost over. It's kind of like, we're done.
2: Well, were you thinking about that? Is it even before you've made it to the till. Yeah. Um,
0: and you're thinking that the person is like, we're done. Yeah, Why is this person yeah. still looking at me? Yeah, What's going on here? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah.
2: So the shop was really busy. I got to the till. I came to say thank you. And I, I got stuck and it was bad. Um, and the woman, so I finally said thank you, and as I turned to leave, the woman turned to her colleague and very loudly, in the queue, said, God, I thought she was having a fit. So that...
0: Wow.
2: ...one has really always stood out as probably one of the worst sort of... Yeah. ...straight-up reactions I've had.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's... That's unbelievably kind of insensitive, and
2: yeah,
0: yeah it's, it's mind blowing mm. to think. Particularly, or particularly, someone who's studied hospitality would yeah. know that that's yeah. not even worse in a work situation. To be is one thing in a social situation. Some people are pricks. Yeah. That, that that is yeah. what it is. We can't we can't do anything about it. A bit of work situation, that's well, it's magnified. It's like, how can you? Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. And in front of other customers, I'm at, But that was probably like 15 years ago. And yet we're still seeing it, obviously, with this story with Costa Coffee. Yeah. We're yeah. still seeing yeah. these reactions. Yeah.
0: So. so yeah. So, so, I mean, that's the thing. That's one of the questions I'm ending on then is what would you like? To tell people who don't stammer about how to re- react and treat and engage with people mm. who stammer.
2: I think for me, I, don't, I just don't think a reaction's needed.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Well,
2: would you... Well, I just want you to receive me like I'm another human being. Yeah. Um, show me the same respect as someone who you deem as normal yeah whatever normal is <laughs> yeah, um, yeah so so yeah I mean obviously you thrive on the more positive ones yeah but I just don't see the need for any reaction.
0: Yeah that's perfect. Yeah. I love that and, and what would you like to say to anyone who's got a stammer who may be young and not really knowing what it is, how mm. to cope, not to to go back to to your your situation at school, but who's who's str- struggling yeah. about what might be ahead, what the future might mm. hold if there is a future. What message would you kind of like to to share with um, them? or what would you like to have heard at that point?
2: That's a good question. I definitely say there is a future. Mm. There is a future for you. You might not know what that is yet, but there are people with their 30s, 40s that still don't know what their future is. Yeah. And when you're at school, that is your whole world, but that's not your world. That that's a world that's constructed by your parents, your friends your family around you the school but that's but, but there will be a time when you will feel like you're free and you can do Whatever it is that you want to do without anybody saying, no, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Um, So just, just, just keep fighting. Yeah. Fight your fight and forget everybody else because it's, it all comes from within. It really does.
0: That's perfect. I love it. Um, I'm asking everyone if, if they if they want to plug their social media or anything like that yeah. at the end. You're welcome to. Is there, Yeah, would you like to?
2: Um, actually, I would love. I would absolutely love to plug. So I am part of an international project. Yes. That is called Stamily. So I met this wonderful group of people when I went on an Erasmus Plus Youth Exchange um, trip to Italy last year. Yeah. And I spent the week with. 40 other people who stammer from across Europe, um, and then when we came back, we decided to make this project, so we've got a website, which is um, and we have people from Canada, um, Hong Kong, Japan, all Europe, and we just basically share share our personal stories, stories. We all attend our own events in our countries and we share reviews on those. So please check that out and share us.
0: I love it. That's perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's no, been great. thank you. There we go. That was Natalie. Just as said, a joy. It Genuinely, that I enjoyed all of these conversations. I enjoyed the day we did a photo shoot for a campaign that I'll be posting about as well. But that conversation just put me in such a bright mood for, for the rest of my day and week. And it's great because these are people who wouldn't have been on the podcast if it wasn't for my moving into becoming um, a patron of Stammer and and indeed for International Stammer Awareness Day. So l- last up, another fantastic guy. um all all three of these conversations but this one in particular conversation i learned a lot from and again it's weird as me and george discussed as you will have heard natalie has 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 had situations where she's joined groups and sat down with other people who stammer but a lot of people who stammer have never really sat down with another person who stammers and chatted about it so it's it's enlightening and and owen was someone that was a wonderful speaker and Someone that I, yeah, I got a lot from this conversation. So let's hear uh, the wonderful Owen Shears. Right, so can we start by you stating your name, your age and your occupation? (laughs) It sounds so professional, doesn't it?
3: That feels quite instant. Um, My name is Owen Shears. I'm 45 uh, and I'm a poet and author and
0: a playwright. So a writer, essentially. Um, and what's your earliest memory of your your stammer? That's a really interesting
3: question. Um, I gave a speech at the British Stammering um, Association conference last year, which sort of made me think about that. You know, that idea of when did that flow between the motivation to express and the means of expression somehow become you know decoupled? Um, and I think the first thing I can remember is a specific word actually. And that right. it became a. A bit of a family joke that, as a as a child, three four years old, I would pepper my childish speech by saying "actually," and of course, looking back, I now I, not so much a memory, but I have a physical sense of why I did that because "actually" was a word I could say, and yeah. so it was like a door that I'd use to get into my sentences. Yeah. So it must have been going on then, but the first concrete memory of it really affecting me would have been, you know. So nursery, you know, first year of primary school, when every day started with the register being taken and every child having to say, good morning, Mrs. Weber Miss Jones. And I'm sure, as is quite familiar to you and to lots of other people who stammer, that situation, having prescribed words you have to say at a prescribed moment. Yeah. Set a pattern that really kind of um, I struggled with for the next fifteen twenty years of anticipation, anxiety, that that sense of blockage, and I did all sorts of things to try and you know, get around it. So sort of jumping in before it's my turn, uh, cutting off the the G and saying "Good morning." I was
0: going to say it's a, it's a hard start, isn't it? Evan having, had, having yeah, that G is. there is a it's a dead. You don't get the run Yeah, you can't say actually good morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, maybe I should
3: have tried that. You can't sneak actually into good morning. But I even I even remember, and in some ways this is the stronger memory, that there was a young boy, I can't remember his name, but I know that he was the Peruvian boy, and he offered to say it for me, which was so generous. Oh, wow. And he did, and we both got told off. Oh, really? Mm. So I think that set all sorts of patterns in association of yeah. not just the anxiety of stammering, but an idea that, I should hide it. And so for a lot of my life, although I've been a stammerer, even some people quite close to me wouldn't necessarily be aware of it because the anxiety becomes not being disfluent, but actually
0: being found out. <laughs> yeah, and, th- and then it becomes a second nature, that mm. you're, you're using these techniques to mask it even when you're around people that you don't need to mask it, and you're not yeah. consciously wanting to mask it, but it's, yeah. it's become your su- survival mechanism as such, right?
3: It has, it has, you know. And now, so much of what I do, so much of my life involves talking to people, um, you know, performing to a certain extent to um, audiences. So, you know, sometimes friends will joke and say, well, you know, you're really making up for lost time now, aren't you? But actually, all of those you know, very subtle techniques and devices... They're going on every day, yeah. every day. And on the whole, I don't mind. When I kind of get frustrated with myself, when I go, hold oh, on, that's not good enough, it is especially when, you know, if it's something that I've written, if it's a poem, if it's a, um, a piece of prose, and I'm changing the words as I'm going along to remain fluent. Mm. But actually kind of breaking up this piece of writing that I really thought about, and I really care about the order of those
0: words. Yeah, yeah. that's fascinating that, again, to see it, the 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 need for functionality affecting your artistic f- uh, f- fluidity i guess because yes. that's that's horrific as someone who's who's a writer you particularly with with prose you will slave over every word if you're planning to perform it you'll probably slave over the space between every word Yeah. Exactly. and yeah. to have to have anything other than the art of the piece influenced that, it's, it's, it's yeah. crazy. It is crazy. And actually, for me, that
3: was the turning point as well. Right? I would drive home from giving readings from my first book. I was, I was 25 when it came out. Um, a small book of poems uh, called The Blue Book. And I would drive home with this real sense of frustration and anger sort of freighted within me. And for the first time, I found a frustration that was greater than my frustration at my stammer. (laughs) So I went, right, no, actually, I'm going to be true to the poem. I'm going to be true to the poet who wrote these. And I'm going to say the words that are on the page. And, you know, for me, that was a significant moment. Firstly, because it meant sometimes I would stammer. And you know what? It was fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But something about allowing myself to sort of ride the poem and to be more concerned with what I'm saying than how I'm saying it, also meant that once that fear of disclosure had gone, quite often I wouldn't stammer on places that... Yeah, you know, so it was an interesting moment. That, and also coming across, and I'm fascinated by this, I want to make a programme about it, or something someday, coming across so many poets who stammer. Yeah. And I don't know what that is about, you know, are they poets because they have a different relationship with language, or is it vice versa, but... Seeing
0: other poets,
3: you know, read and stammer, sort of uh, gave me that license as well.
0: Yeah, I, I, I got to do spoken word poetry t- touring, um, headline touring to, to, you know, to six hundred to a thousand people each night for wow. a while, and. I would talk to people afterwards and they would all assume I was really well-educated and I'm not particularly well-educated, but I think my vocabulary came down to my coping mechanisms of having to find replacement words for words that I couldn't say. So I think it expanded my vocabulary there. And I think there could be a link there in a lot of poets who have stammers that you've become adept to manipulating language. Mm. Again, as a survival mechanism, rather than <laughs> as a as a passion or as a joy, yeah. it's just no. I've needed to uh, bend words and change words and make them fit together differently so that I can say them. Yeah, um, I think that's so than true. Else. You it's kind of
3: basically. have this mental thesaurus that you're flipping through at an amazing yeah. speed. So I think that's true, and I think undoubtedly it gives you a very attuned awareness of language. And actually, something yeah. that you mentioned earlier language and silence yeah yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know the silence of a blocked word or of yourself stammering you know through all of my teens and my early 20s was my greatest fear Uh, um, but then you kind of turn that on its head and you become aware of the power of silence as well and you know especially as a poet and again you'll understand this the white space on the page is as important yeah as the black ink, and so I think, yeah, I would like to spend some time interviewing lots of writers and poets about it because because I'm sure that there is some kind of a deep linguistic connection between the two.
0: Yeah. Does, does do you find any added fear or pressure now in your adult life that because again, as we've said in 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 in, in what you do in what you do if you're performing any 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 of your pieces then the spaces are important but what's also important is when you break those spaces mm. so mm. if you've left a gap you can't come back in stammering no. do you know what I mean you, you need to break that gap with here's what I'm breaking it with yeah. so there's a strange extra pressure there and in a way I think there might be a, a, an excitement to put that pressure on so that you can't fail if you know what I mean yes. right? Here's yeah. here's this gap I can't I can't end this, I can't have this amazing gap where I've got everyone on the edge of their seats, you know, mm. I've got them in the palm of my hand and then I come in with, d- 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 and then I've dropped them. Yeah. I've slipped out of my hand, I've yeah. shaken them out in yeah. a Yeah, and I've physically, you know,
3: I've had that experience. You know, one of my coping mechanisms used to be to put in a er uh or an um and that kind of thing and I can remember doing that quite often on the last line of a poem. Yeah, um, the big impact. Yeah, and, and, and actually having people in the audience come up and go, oh, it's such a shame, why did you do that? So I think it, it can be positive. And yeah. I think the way you put it uh, is really good, actually. That's like, you know, this is too important yeah. to fail on. But it's a negotiation, isn't it, as well? Because, I mean, even doing this interview, I'm I'm doing all sorts of little coping mechanisms. Yeah. So that we have the conversation. Um, but it's, but in in a reading situation, I suppose, I try to make sure I do... Hardly any of those. And so, if a stammer happens, I kind of try to be relaxed about it. Yeah. Um, It's a fantastic Irish poet called Kieran Carson, and I saw him read at the South Bank, and, you know, he would be reading beautifully fluently, and then his sledgehammer would come in... Sorry, I just said sledgehammer because his stammer was like a sort of sledgehammer, one of those pneumatic drills. Yeah. And it sort of became part of the performance. Yeah. Um, And you accepted it as part of the whole, so... But it's uh, it's something that's always there in in the back of my mind. But I think I, and it's something of an enigma. That's the other thing I realised is that as you you know as you go through your teens and your twenties, hopefully you come to start to understand more of your mind and your body. But my stammer remained this enigma. I never quite understood why it happened and when it happened. Yeah. But I try and see that as a more positive thing now. Sort of this this bit of you that is you, but you still don't. Understand? <laughs> yeah, the the mysterious part. Yeah.
0: I love yeah. that. So, do you remember when you first started to kind of put together these coping mechanisms? Or was it at school, as as that was the first place that you started to be hit with um, negative response? I guess.
3: Yeah, I think it
0: it definitely was school. And all I guess at home you'd already started with the actually as yeah. as, a, as a as a mechanism, but a subconscious mm-hmm. one. But I guess a, a more conscious. S- solutions was that school?
3: Yes, I think it was school and it was the landline telephone. I mean, you know, I'm 45 and I grew up in rural Wales. Uh-huh. So that landline telephone was my portal to friends, to possible girlfriends. Yeah. And it was absolutely my number one object of fear as well because yeah. you take away that visual communication. Everything relies on the voice. So there were all sorts of mechanisms, you know, sort of you know, pacing, uh, putting movement in with the speech, that yep. used to help. Um, in school, it was harder because quite often it was those situations where I loved English literature. That's why I became a writer, because I loved reading. And we used to do that thing where the class would take a paragraph each. And again,
2: you know, the worst
3: thing for someone who stammers, you could see it coming through the classroom. I know mm-hmm. I'm, I'm three kids away, two kids away, one kid away. Um and actually, a lot of the kids were fine with it. It was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think I did a lot of sport and I played a lot of rugby. But looking back, I think that was a coping mechanism as well. Yeah. I used to throw myself into these physical endeavours. I used to I used to do lots of hill running, just sort of attack a hill, almost yeah. so I could end up on the top, exhausted, feel my heartbeat, feel my breath, and kind of be beyond language, in a way. Yeah. Um, so there were coping mechanisms, but in those situations, they quite often didn't work. And by the time I got to university, there was the tutorial system. So you were, you were meant to come in and read your essay. And I can never work out if it was done with kindness or just practicality, but my tutor just used to say, oh, you know, for God's sake, i and just give it to me, I'll read it. Wow. <laughs> Which actually was kind of tough as well, because you'd sit there with your tutorial partner while yeah. the tutor read the essay, just to, so, we can, you know, so we can use this hour without having to wait for you.
0: Yeah, I mean that's not really the most helpful of no, approaches, it <laughs> is it? Really, because it's 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 highlighting the problem and not giving an option of overcoming the problem. No, it's no. saying, "Here's the issue. Yeah. I'm taking it away from you." Yes. Oh, right. Can't we figure out a way to make? No. Okay. Yeah. On to you. So, yeah. so what do you feel the difference was between Owen in school or? college or wherever and at home do you feel there was a different you because of the difference in reaction to mm. to how you spoke it's a really interesting question I think
3: I think there was but then like I said it was an enigma I used to think okay this is linked to nervousness it's linked to like focusing on a certain letter that I know I find hard a g or a p now I'd be at home perfectly relaxed and I do it with my parents so but I guess I would feel no need to hide it. Well, although I, I had two brothers and yeah. they could, you know, they're brothers on the whole, very understanding, but you know, every now and then we get frustrated. Um, but I think, yeah, you do become a different person because your speech is the conduit to your ideas, your opinions and everything. So I think you do become a different person. And if anything, what I've come to quite late in the day, I mean, I'm, you know, it's been really recently that I've even talked openly about my stammer, really. Yeah. Um, I wrote about it. There are poems about it. Um, It's only sort of recently that I felt those two—the more public and the more private—own sort of you know come together as one person. And it's been, I think, it's been watching how there have been changes in approaches to stammering. Um, A good friend of ours, their son has a stammer, and I was so impressed with this. He was uh, getting bullied in school a bit, and his speech therapist and and his school got together and they said, well, actually, why doesn't he give an assembly about what it's like to have a stammer? Which, you know, wow. as you'll appreciate, is terrifying. So, exactly. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Nye, who must be nine years old, he did it. Wow. And the bullying stopped and the school gave him a trophy. And that was a, that was a nine-year-old teaching me a lesson.
0: It really yes. was. Yeah. And that's some teachers as well who are handling it in the right way and knowing how to do it. I always remember my, again, a similar thing to your tutor not handling it in the most helpful of manners with hindsight. I remember my parents going into my school and going crazy at my teacher because on the first day he got me up in front of the class to say, he's got a stutter, so don't make a big deal of it just be it's like you've just made the biggest deal of it in the world <laughs> And again, the on the first day, day as said when uh, people are looking for someone else to be the target it's like there you go alright thanks that's yeah. that's me fuck then <laughs> that's, but, that's but me now it's interesting isn't it because it
3: seems as though in terms of you know issues around speech this is all happened quite uh, late in the day mm. you know uh, um so after university I applied to the BBC uh, training scheme um and was effectively told on the phone that, you know, things were going well until there was an, an exercise where you had to cold call someone, pretend to be a researcher. And I said beforehand, I said, look, in stressful situations, I'm not great on the phone. This might not go well. And it didn't go very mm. well. And they phoned up and they said, well, as a BBC researcher, you will be on the phone a lot. So we can't give you a position. Mm. And at the time, I kind of went, oh, dear, that's a shame. But looking back, I couldn't help thinking, is that legal? Is that allowed? You know, because there are all sorts of other reasons that you couldn't discriminate against someone.
0: Yeah. And because of how it is in your head at that time, you probably would have gone, yeah, fair enough, Exactly. Yeah, I I, I get it. But in reality, no. Yeah. It's it's not fair enough. It should be perfectly okay. Let's, I mean, it's not on my list of questions, but let's let's talk about telephones for a bit, because that's a massive, or as a kid, that was a massive one for me. I think in reality, as an adult, it is, but I think so much of it is subconscious. I think the... Advent of being able to do almost anything on an app has has made me far more relaxed because I'm not having to ring yeah. for a cab or for a takeaway oh, or God. for this or for that. It's just, there you go. That it's, sounds it's, so familiar. It's all yeah. done.
3: Um, yeah. And email.
0: Yeah. I loved it when email came around. Yeah. And, and texting. Yeah, that was all of it. All of that, all of that is playing to my strength. <laughs> yeah, completely. And it's when Jane mm. first started working with the BSA and Stammer run the key things that she wanted to raise money for was a tech service because the only helpline they had was a phone line (laughs) and it's like well that's that might put off it will put off a huge percentage of people who need that helpline because god know am I getting on the phone so do you remember the first time that was or or do you remember any times in particular that that that, that was highlighted as a massive issue oh yeah I mean yeah my childhood
3: was peppered with, you know, either answering the phone and then hanging up and, you know, a lots of pretending that we've been cut off. Yeah. Um, or there's one specific... Well, actually, quite a few memories of phoning your friend's houses and praying for the friend to pick up and then their parent picks up and they literally thought that they'd
0: been phoned by a heavy breather. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I had that with... Uh, a, f- a family member at one point, yeah. g- genuinely. Um, and it was my aunt's husband at the time, who isn't around anymore. I mean, he's alive. Um, <laughs> um, but he ended up, up hanging up for me because he didn't know what was going yeah. on. He was like, he thought it was either a heavy breathing thing or some kind of prank. Yeah. And I was trying to ring to say th- thank you for a present or something, right. you know, that yeah. kind of, uh, uh, in that era, you have to, 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 to ring up to say thank you or write well, a letter. Well, good for you for doing it, to because to be honest, you.
3: what I remember is loads of avoidance. Yeah. Just doing anything, not to use the phone.
0: Oh, that was the last time. <laughs>
3: yeah, right. And it's odd, isn't it? Because then the mobile phone comes in, and you think, oh, God, this is just going to get worse and worse. But I said earlier that movement helps. Yeah. You know, and obviously, people well, can't see this, I but i move moving to my hands on now. And so even now, if I talk on a mobile phone, I'll try and do the conversations when I'm,
0: when I'm walking. That's or fascinating. Or I'll move around the room. Because um, I've never been aware of movement being a coping oh, mechanism. Really? And I think it, again, I think it probably is subconsciously, yeah. but mm. because I've always wondered why the phone is so much harder than just face-to-face. And I think it's because particularly in that era, the phone was attached to a wall. Yes. So I'm yes. standing still. Yeah. So it makes perfect yes. sense now you're saying this, that movement yeah. can be a thing. And I probably do it all the time, but yeah. to get you off to a running start, as I kind of, I think the easiest way to yes. describe it always is, <laughs> kind of gives you that, right, and we're going. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all off. Yeah. And that's fascinating that, that,
3: yeah. Which is why, you know, and I've got to be absolutely honest now, the only thing, and I, and I do get angry with myself for doing this, and I shouldn't, and, and maybe I will make that promise to myself here now, is sometimes when, you know, there's a situation where I'm asked to do a live radio interview down the line mm-hmm. so you can't see the presenter and it's live so you can't correct any mistakes. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'll just find a reason to not do them. Yeah. But I think it's the same thing because you're sat in the studio, you're still.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there's very little movement or you know, room for movement. Yeah. <laughs> both literal and, you know, metaphorical. Yeah. So I've got two questions that I want to end on um, one is or before I get to those two t- 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 actually have you got any strong memories of when someone has reacted particularly badly or someone's reaction has affected you particularly
3: oh that's a good question um, I think I think there were lots in school I mean and, and, and oddly sometimes it was the well-intentioned one. You know, people coming up and saying oh you're just trying to talk too fast just slow down <laughs> you know and really well intentioned <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> I know but then you get frustrated or again people very kindly finishing your sentences that's probably mm. so they're not specific memories yeah, but they're kind of general ones like that no, no I mean on the whole actually people are normally very kind I think the worst one for me was you know and again it's full of um, complexity and um, apparent contradictions I think stammering because it was also in school yeah. that I started acting mm. and I found that playing someone else being on stage being under lights I could do not always I used to sometimes you know change the lines and stuff and I've since found out that some very famous actors went into acting to cope with their stammers um, so I think it was odd because people knew I stammered but they also thought well, I did that kind of thing And there was, again, a school assembly. I was in the sixth form, and I was asked off the cuff, oh, someone's dropped out. Can you just introduce someone or read this? And I got up in front of the whole school. And I was one of the oldest in the school, so so it was meant to be there in a position of authority. And the stammer kicked in, and it was awful. And, yeah, kids, of course, everyone laughed. Everyone was confused. And, uh, yeah, I I walked out of school and ran straight up the nearest hill. Wow.
0: It's, it's, I mean... I think uh, uh, one of the things I've enjoyed the most from your description of... It, and again, it's it's rare that people with stammers sit down and talk to another person of a stammer <laughs> about actually, their stammer. So it's, yeah. like, it's quite an unusual thing. One of the things I've, I've enjoyed the most is your description of, of what an enigmatic thing mm. it is and what a mysterious thing it is. And I think that's one of the reasons it's quite a hard subject to raise awareness of mm. and to raise money for because... If you or I are asked to go on TV to talk about it, we've, we're professionals. Yeah, <laughs> We've spent a lot of time that in that situation, there's a good chance I'm not going to stutter once because mm. I've really spent my life making sure that in these work situations, I'm on the yeah. radio, I'm on TV, I'm doing whatever, I will have it under control. That ironically doesn't help the cause. No. If I was on no. there struggling with every word, it would help the cause more than me going on there and speaking eloquently and saying, here's what it is. People are going, yeah, it looks like a right struggle, mate. It's, yeah, oh, no, what absolutely. a sad problem you've got. And absolutely. again, our conversation here, we've started once or twice each of that. But it is a real thing and it is enigmatic and you don't know. I, I liked when you were saying how at school, these Gs and Bs and that would be a big problem. But at home, you just breeze... Through yeah, them So yeah. it's not something that you can control no. in that way. So it's. And I'm sitting here talking to you
3: because of my memories of my teen and my twenties. Yeah. You know uh, uh, Um, that's absolutely when I think of me then and going to the British Stammering uh, Conference um, and meeting people who were stammering with, in some ways, with more confidence than I was. They yeah. weren't trying to avoid words. They weren't changing words. That was a real, you know, a real trigger for me. Yeah. And, memory. and interestingly, I may be wrong because obviously we're attuned to this kind of thing, but our two-year-old daughter, she started talking, she's got lots of language, but she's really kind of blocking on the first word of sentences. That could just be a two-year-old learning to talk. Yeah. Or it could be that she has a stamina. So, you know, that I think is, has got me much more invested in just there being a better sense of awareness, you know,
0: Well, I mean, understanding with that in mind... Uh let's get to, uh, to these two questions. And the first is, what would you like to tell or inform people who haven't got a stammer on, on, on the best way to react? Because, again, I think a lot of it is just, yeah. as you said, people trying to finish your, your sentence out of politeness. Mm. But if they knew that that might not be the biggest help, then... Yeah, absolutely. I think I think wait. Yeah. Be
3: as patient and as kind to someone who you come across who maybe has problems with their vision or problems with their hearing um yeah. and i mean i guess that that is probably the main aspect and an understanding that fluency and being articulate are not the same thing
0: yeah that's a a great one it's not that you're you don't know how to speak or what no, to say exactly. it's it's an inability and it's not that necessarily that you're nervous yeah. it's it's a stutter it doesn't it shouldn't be reflecting or implying anything other than yeah. I stutter. Yeah. Not I'm nervous, I'm scared, I'm confused, I don't know what to say in no. this situation. I stutter. That's all it's telling you. Yeah. It's not telling you anything else about me.
3: And this might sound odd, but and I've only just thought about this, but in in this world that is speeding up all the time, in which so much communication is so fast, if you're in a conversation with someone who stammers or stutters, enjoy the slower pace. Yeah. Immersing language. 100%. <laughs> you know, I mean, that might be asking quite a lot of people, but, you know, treat it as a different experience, a different form of communication.
0: So so, what would you say to someone who has a stammer or stutter um, and is str- struggling or is young and doesn't oh. know what the future holds? <sighs>
3: wow. Well, that really gets me, actually, because that, that you know, I can remember being that person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'd say that things are much better. Things have improved. Um, yeah. Hopefully there is a greater awareness. I'd say, hypocritically, do all the things that I didn't. Try to meet and talk to other people who stammer. If I'd met other people who stammered uh, or talked about it um, openly to me, that would have been much, much better. And try not to be scared about being found out as a stammerer. Because yeah. that, that became the greater anxiety for me and i think what you'll realize is that if you if you stammer it's fine because what people value is authenticity yeah and what is valuable is your ideas and your opinions not how fluently you say them
0: yeah that's perfect well thank you very much and can people find you on social media and stuff like that Where, they can i'm right i'm I'm, I'm, kind of, <laughs> I'm kind
3: of a uh an intermittent person on social media but um i am on twitter um i'm there that's probably all, all i'm on really yeah um uh, and I do have a website, it's probably horribly out of date. Um, yeah, I need to, I need to get with to the
0: 21st century. It what? feels weird to ask people if they want to do plugs at the end of this conversation, but <laughs> I want more people to be engaging regularly with more people who have stammers and it's not the defining factor. So it is kind of, it's like, it's to have those plugs and pushes and, yes, and yeah. find those things. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, well, thank you so much. Dil And there we go. That is everyone. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. And thank you to everyone who's listened. Obviously, you will know that this episode means the world to me. So I'd l- love to hear your thoughts. I'd love you to share share this episode and shout about it far and wide. Shout about it because we can't. <laughs> no, we can really. We can use so- social media. That's not how stammers work. Um, but yeah and 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 please start following stammer u k on instagram s t a m m a u k as said i'll be doing tomorrow on october twenty second i'll be doing a takeover i believe on the instagram and answering your questions so come and get involved in that i'd love to hear from you all but yeah follow stammer on t- on twitter at s t a m m e r and the b s a and stammer are on Facebook, so yeah, I know that a lot of people will only be following those pages if they have a stammer, but hopefully this conversation will, sh- well, I mean, it would have done what the goal of it was to do, is to to raise awareness, International Stammer Awareness Day. The point is awareness, because as we learned when I had um, Tourette's Hero on, she beautifully Put that she, she's also in 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 uses a wheelchair, and she said that people have said to her, "Oh, that must be so r- restrictive," and she said, "Well, no, the world is restrictive. M- my chair gives me freedom and the ability to move. It's the it's the inaccessible buildings that are restrictive. It's the reaction that's restrictive." And that's the case with a stammer or a stutter, I think. As you will have heard here, everyone you've just heard, their stutter has been better and better in situations where everyone knows the drill and they can relax. It's when it's worse is when people don't know how to react or people react negatively or people react trying to help but not quite in the right way. So this push for awareness is for you guys it's not for us guys we know what living with a stammer is like believe me it's something that we confront every day literally every day of our lives at some point there will be a moment where we think oh man that was annoying or we feel embarrassed or ashamed or awkward and that shouldn't be the case you know um so yeah Thank you for tuning in. Obviously, we've got a regular episode on Wednesday. I'd urge you to go and listen, if you haven't, to the episode I did with Joe Gilgan, because we talk... That's one of the first places, or, or one place, that I really talked about my stammer in acting and stuff like that, and he talks about his bipolar. And also, as I said, I did a King's Speech episode on Christmas Day of last year, and I discuss the year I'd had engaging with stammer and the BSA and becoming part of it and the struggles it causes but the reward and payoff it's um it's given me so yeah I'm rambling on a bit as you will have heard there's been no plugs in the oh, I need to remember to turn the adverts off I might not have turned the adverts off if there's adverts I apologize but they get dropped in I've not recorded them specially but yeah I hope you've enjoyed this I hope it's been enlightening huge thanks to um to Jane and Kate at the BSA to Liam who did great photography with us for a campaign that's 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 going alongside all of this and huge love to you guys for tuning in and and listening obviously most of all huge love to George Fletcher to Owen Shears and to Natalie Park Th- thank you for tuning in guys Shout about this. as you, I mean, you can hear I'm normally far more rambly, but I'm kind of a bit... Hopefully, the pauses that you're hearing are the weight of importance that this particular episode has to me. This episode hasn't been about me, as most episodes aren't. It's been about my three amazing guests, but it's so much I relate to. It's so much bigger than chatting to my idols of film of comedy of of music it's chatting to people who have now become my idols of the way they live their lives and the struggles they've overcome and the relatable issues they've had but the way they've dealt with it and continue to deal with it stammers aren't something that need to be cured that there's obviously options there there's options and there's therapies that can help some and can cannot help others but the key message i guess is we're not broken this is just part of who we are and it's the reaction it's the it's the response and reception that a stammer can get that that is the problem and the more we can spread this awareness the more uh, we can solve that that hurdle that issue um and we can have greater representation in tv in film on radio of people who stammer and it's not a big deal i love that you that so many of you all listen to this podcast and i rarely talk about my stammer but it's there every i almost swore i'm trying to keep it clean on this one because it's a cause um it's there on every episode man you'll always hear it And you guys don't care anymore. And that means the world. And I know this is just a little independent podcast, but it's grown to a decent size. And I think it's a good test pool for what we could do on a grander scale and platform. Emotional episode this. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back on Wednesday with the amazing Daisy Haggard, who is the writer and star and creator of a great series called Back to Life. She was also in Man Stroke, Woman and numerous other things. So, um, yeah. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Hopefully I'll hear from you all online today. And more importantly, online tomorrow on October 22nd for International Stammer Awareness Day. I'll see you on all the socials. Um, Have a good one. And thank you again.